Welcome back, Rebels, to another episode of Creative Thinking, where Yona Thomas and myself are going to be answering some of your questions. So this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. Normally, we answer three shorter questions, but we've had a really, really lovely email in from one of our listeners, and it was such a lovely email, and it, it asked so many questions that we thought would be relevant to so many of our listeners that we decided to do a bit of a special this week and dedicate the whole session to this one email. Yeah, so uh, yeah, just so you get the, the context of what's being asked here. So I'm an artist who is having to fight hard for the chance to have a creative career, and in all honesty, art is the reason I get out of bed in the morning. I have Crohn's disease and fibromyalgia, among other health issues, and for the past five years or so, I've been almost housebound. I had just finished my photography degree and couldn't shoot the fashion work I had been creating. In a dark place, I turned to illustration and writing instead, taught myself, and became obsessed. I managed to write a middle grade novel, which I have illustrated too, and I'm currently looking for an agent in order to get it published. I want to attempt a multi-hyphen career through my art, building my own brand. My dream would be to build an income as an artist, a visual storyteller, using a combination of illustration, writing and photography. Eventually, I would like to work with brands and other artists involved in streetwear, sportswear, street art and music. I realise it's very hard to comment, but I would be really interested to know whether you think my work is capable of those aspirations. Personally, I feel one of my weakest areas is my network and online presence, and I wondered if you would be able to give some advice on how to best move forward, building an audience when you're almost reliant on the internet alone. I'm currently researching how to find myself a mentor or a business coach, as my know-how on the industry and confidence after being ill for so long are areas that I struggle with. Um, So yeah, there's obviously a lot in there, which is why we wanted to sort of pick it apart really and and answer some of the different questions that are going on in there. So the first thing this listener mentions um, is having a multi-hyphen career and that's something that comes up quite a lot so we wanted to first address that and touch on on first the possibility and, and the benefits or negatives of having a multi-hyphen career. Yeah so I think ever since having Emma Gannon on the podcast on episode one in researching that I read her book The Multi-Hyphen Method and it was, I guess, I guess it kind of just confirmed everything that I already knew was going on in the modern world, but it just made me think about it a lot more. And, and it, that book is so great to, to really help you recognize what that model is and what the framework of actually becoming a multi-hyphen looks like. And I think the great part of it is kind of the mix and match element where you can work for an employer or you can have several like freelance clients that are regular gigs for you, but then you can spread yourself out in other areas and you can do other things. You might have a market stall on a Saturday or you might be doing freelance writing for a publication or whatever it may be. And it's just having these these varied forms of income from varied sources. Yeah, and I think that's something that people are exploring more and more. And maybe traditionally it was done from within a a job or a career that you then had things on the side that you did and explored outside of your day-to-day work. Um, But people are bending those rules and creating their own version of a multi-hyphen career more and more now. Um, I do think that when you're early in your career as a creative, that you should be slightly careful with trying to fit too much in. Um, and it's something that, that Adam always speaks about, that his analogy of, of a tree, that you know, when you're first starting out, um, 
deciding what it is that you want to spend your time doing you might try lots of different things and they're your roots they're your roots in creativity they're the different things that you try that, that feed your main body of work and so then your your area of expertise becomes the tree trunk um, and that's your solid foundation of creative work and once you have that expertise down and you're confident in that and you, you are stable in that as an income then it can start branching off into you guessed it the branches um, and that you can start drawing on other areas again and expanding out from your main body of work so I think that it is important to be careful that you are to a certain extent not spreading yourself too thinly and that you are spending enough time becoming an expert on the thing that is going to sustain you and that that you are spending enough time on that before spreading your time amongst different things and not becoming an expert on any of them it's funny isn't it i i feel like with us because we have done the one thing and I mean, we've, we've got several companies and, and have run several businesses, et cetera, et cetera. And we have our personal practices and everything. But when you when you look at sort of Graffiti Life being the first company that we build, built and the, the pillar of, of all of our businesses, it's, I feel like because you have that, because we have that success in the bank, it makes everything else easier. So for example, when we started the podcast, at the in the intro it was always like we we built our first company graffiti life and so already there that gives us the expertise to to have the podcast because we have built a successful step business on the ladder of podcasting because you've already taken that step somewhere else yeah, yeah. I, of of something which i mean on the surface is completely unrelated, unrelated. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but by having that one thing the trunk by doing that thing really well it will open so many doors for you and and in terms of like building a network like once you get really good at the one thing that you choose then the people that you meet through that even if they can't help you directly through your new thing that's completely unrelated if it is they they might know someone who can help you you just have more opportunities through doing through being known as someone who was successful at something once yeah um that's not to say though and this is something that david said when we were discussing this earlier um that you can't have different things within that pillar that complement each other. Uh, so for example, with this listener's um, email, this listener is, is writing and illustrating. So that's not spreading time thinly amongst different projects that are distracting from each other. They are self-supporting. They, they, they inform each other. Um, you know, use, you use the analogy pottery. You know, you can be an expert in pottery, but then... Um, you can do public speaking about pottery you can do workshops in pottery you can write about pottery um that there are so many different areas within that that are that's all multi-hyphening but it's all under the same umbrella so you're becoming an expert but you are still using the multi-hyphen method to give yourself more security and more diversity within what you do yes and for us uh during the covid pandemic having being multi-hyphenates has saved our bacon really so when we do murals predominantly those murals are for brands and currently brands marketing budgets have been cut i mean not so much for online stuff but when it comes to out of home advertising which is our main sector in terms of income not because no one's outside there's not a lot of companies that are spending a lot of money on getting large murals painted because no one's going to be walking past them no one's going to be interacting with them taking photos of them so luckily because we do we are multi-hyphens and we do have other businesses for us um we started looking into 
how can we monetize the podcast um, public speaking opportunities that have come in through that we've done online speaking gigs that have come in through podcast listeners so thank you guys who have employed us for stuff like that but but it's like had we not had something else if all of our eggs were in the out of home painting on walls basket all of a sudden no one goes outside anymore that then dries up so by being a multi-hyphenate if all of a sudden your your writing gigs stop coming in you can then focus down on something that is working and you can you can bring more money in that way so it's a it's a i think the way that the world is heading it is it gives you that backup and it gives you that confidence of knowing i always like to have a backup plan and i i mean we've definitely taken risks in business but they've always been calculated risks knowing that well if this all completely crumbles to the ground then at least we have these other things and then we can build back up yeah, absolutely. So I think that the key thing there is is multi-hyphening is really, really valuable and can be and can save you bacon in in some cases, so long as you're not spreading yourself thinly too early on in your career. Yeah, and and I mean that just comes down to self-awareness. I think Check there yourself. are some there are some people who can who can do that. Who who are a, I mean I'm not one of those people, but there are some people who are literally able to juggle so many different things and that and that's beautiful if you are able to do that but you need to have that conversation of of am i going to spend loads of time on loads of different things or am i going to focus down on one thing and then gradually grow from there for me i feel certainly for me that that's the wisest way of doing it is just that that gradual growing so the next point that we wanted to talk about from this email um, was um, the ambition to work with brands and other artists involved with streetwear, sportswear, um, street art and music. So there is um, obviously a real awareness from this listener of where they want to go with their work. Um, and I think that's so important, but it's it's not just important as an ambition, it's an important as a guide to how you craft your creative practice from the offset. Um, so by that, I mean that if you know that you want to work with a certain brand in three or four years time, you should be creating work from now that is gonna help you get there. So from the very offset, you might think it's so far away and that at the moment just creating work is important. Yeah, creating work is really important, but from the offset, if you have in your mind your goals, you can make the decisions and put things in place now that will basically light your path to working with that brand. I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with, especially early on in their career. And they say, I mean, if you've just graduated and you've you've done a course and you've got all of your coursework from that and that's that's your existing portfolio. And the temptation is, well, that pottery that I did is really good. So let me stick that in there because I might get a pottery job and that and obviously you're worried about having to pay, pay the bills so you're open to all all opportunities that might come to you so you sort of feel like well I need to let people know that I do the pottery but if your main thing is painting and that's what you want to build and you don't enjoy pottery but you do enjoy painting then don't put the pottery in your portfolio don't post about it on Instagram and I think a lot of people do struggle with that because of the kind of the scarcity and the worry of I need to make an income somehow but I would rather I would rather you like go hungry or sacrifice or or cut down in the short term initially than get yourself into the hole of producing work and 
and becoming a slave to the paycheck that that brings in and then being on that kind of treadmill of having to do projects that don't fulfill you simply because that's what's keeping the lights on. A designer that we know uh, once said to us that um, she had a brand that she really wanted to work with and that was like a, a North Star for her to work with with this brand. And so every decision that she made when it came to her work and her working practice, she asked herself, does this get me closer or further away from working with that brand? And so every single decision really informed her journey to getting to work with that brand. And I think that's a really, really great way of looking at it um it's it's everything you do is a decision on how to get to the place where you want to be um so for me i um and this is obviously something that a lot of people do and it's it's something that i'd really advise is to get those goals really clear in your head um what do you want to achieve who do you want to work with what are your goals and be really really specific not just um oh i'd like to work with brands which brands would you like to work with when do you want that to happen by be be specific and give yourself a time limit um and then write those down write those goals down and for me i i i read my goals every day that's the first thing i do in my working day is read my goals and check where i am in the timeline compared to where i want to be and so that just reminds me every day oh yeah i really want to work with this brand or i really want to achieve this by a certain point um or i really want to have a show with so-and-so by a certain point and it keeps it fresh in my mind and it helps me to remember to think of those when i make every decision that day so it's always fresh in my mind and every decision I make that day, then I'm reminded to think about my goals and whether or not that decision is going to help me get closer or further away from my goals. I would write down a list of, of those brands and then that gives you a framework to follow because you, you then have you have it in front of you. You can go to that. You can look at those brands and you can go, well, what people have they collaborated with in the past? What did that collaboration look like? That will inform your work and you'll be able to make decisions on your style and the, the method of how you create your work that will that you know is going to be attractive to those brands because they have a track record and they have a history and it's very easy to see, okay, they've worked with this designer who does this and, and I'm similar in this way to this designer, I'm similar in this way to this designer and then you can find the common thread and you know that if, all, if, you're, if you're making work about dogs and primarily dogs is your thing and you want to work with a brand and they have no history of ever doing anything dog related doesn't mean they're not going to do something with dogs but it's looking at what they have done is going to give you a clearer idea of something that's more likely to get on their radar um, and i think when it comes to working with those brands you've got two options one is wait to be noticed by them and two is find them, contact them and find the right person to talk to and access them that way. And I think both approaches are valid. A friend of ours, Ermsey, is a like very famous artist who he just waited for, he waited for the brands to come to him. And he, the way he did that was just by relentlessly posting on social media. But it wasn't passive. It wasn't passive. He was working solidly and the work he was making was geared towards the brands he wanted to work with. It was it was a real clear journey. He might have been waiting for the brands to come to him, but he was creating work that would appeal to those brands. So he's just in a collaboration with Nike. Congratulations. Um, it, it's a great collaboration, but he was referencing Nike in his work for a long time before that. He was going to get noticed by them at some point. He wasn't just waiting for them to come to him. Um, so there are ways that, you know, if you're not going to approach brands directly, there are still 
still ways of approaching them without approaching them. Yeah, I was uh, chatting to him the other night and uh, he said they haven't even sent him any of the t-shirts. He just oh. got he's just got money, but he hasn't got any of the actual products that he's designed <laughs> for Nike, which is like really annoying. But um, but yeah, so that's Ermsy E R M S Y on Instagram, um, and you can see his work. But when when you look at it, you you can you can clearly see. And I'd I'd scroll scroll back through his feed because I think it's an important lesson. You can see he's got his own unique style, but he also references pop culture, which is is kind of super. That's a really easy way to spread online is if you if you target people's nostalgia and the, the feelings of love that they have for an existing character or brand will, will like manifest through through creating the artwork. So he's a really interesting case study to look at for someone who successfully navigated that. And, and then, yeah, the, the shortcut is to is to know the right people and no one is is inaccessible. I think if you knock on the right person's door, but you don't have a body of work to back it up, then then that won't work. But if you've been creating enough to the level where it's of a good standard and you can then contact and get that work in front of the decision maker at the brand that you want to work with, then that's that's a golden way of doing things as well. So the next thing that we thought was was really um, interesting and something that I think a lot of people will will relate to is is this idea of is my work good enough? And this listener actually asked us if we thought their work um, was was good enough. And I think that's that's, you know, a it's really good to be asking yourself that question. It's really important that you are kind of looking at your work and looking at your success and and relating the two and seeing, you know, is my work good enough? Do I need to improve? And you can always improve, which is the good thing. Yeah, I mean, for me to say, yes, your work is good enough or no, your work is not good enough. Either way means nothing because... I mean, my work is never good enough. It's never good enough. Like, because as soon as I've reach the point where my work is good enough then what is the point in carrying on like I enjoy growth and I enjoy progression and I enjoy experimentation and finding pushing things to the limit and and setting restrictions and cutting back on things and and like that is creatively that's what sets me on fire so it's 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 such a difficult question because you do have to have the self-awareness to know if your work is 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 not good enough but I think the market ultimately will decide. And if you work at something for three or four years and you listen to this podcast and you implement the things that we tell you to do, then if you're getting no feedback, no traction, no clients from that, then maybe maybe it's time to make a change. Yeah, I completely agree that, you know, um, people's reactions to your work will give you kind of a nod as to whether your work is not just good enough but hitting the right nerves with people because you know your work is good enough but is it is it getting the traction that it needs yes your work is good but a lot of people's work is good that's the problem that a lot of people have there are a lot of great artists and writers and musicians out there a lot of great creators who are really good but that's only half of of the bargain and that's something that we say quite a lot is that being good at your craft is only is only half of the journey you have to be good at letting people see your work so for this listener in particular i'd say you need to let your audience be the judge of whether they think your work is good enough or not and to do that you need to put your work out there um, so you need to let people come on your journey with you, see what you're doing, um, 
and and let them judge and people will be happy enough to kind of give advice on or, or comment on the bits that they do like and the bits that they don't like yeah there's there's an artist on instagram called at gangster doodles and i mean they are very very simply drawn with a felt pen gangster doodles the guy is absolutely killing it has got a massive following has had lots of opportunities i, I would imagine it's probably his full-time income i don't know that for a fact but i'd imagine it is and he has found he's found his people he's found his audience he's found his niche he's found by producing this work it's not for everyone but for the people it is for they love it so if there are people who don't like your work maybe you just haven't found the right people yet and i, I suppose that will come into the next question in in terms mm -hmm. of like building your audience and, and finding those people but i think it's important to always be asking yourself am i good enough um and constantly telling yourself no i'm not but <laughs> but and then and then striving striving to become better and i think on on your point of, of let the market decide on for me currently i've been experimenting i've started a new instagram at david speed uk give me a follow um but i've started a new instagram and with a completely different style so i've had a personal instagram before where i've posted up photo realism and I think the the max I got was like 800 followers and then I kind of lost heart with it and, and didn't really, I wasn't posting consistently. And if you want to grow, you have to post consistently. And I realized that through just posting photorism, there are a lot of other artists who are doing exactly the same thing. And it wasn't until I started experimenting with neon paint, set up a completely new Instagram and only posted on there my neon paintings and experiments that like I've never seen growth like a quicker growth of any, of anything that I've ever done before than I have on that on that page and that's because there's not anyone else doing that specific style at the moment and so I've managed to take what I love that a lot of people are doing and doing really bloody well and just slant it slightly put a new twist on it do it in a slightly different way mm -hmm. and because people haven't seen that that is that is gaining attention so I think if we do the same thing over and over again, we get the same results. If those results are good, then keep doing that thing. But if they're not, then maybe there's something you can twist. Maybe there's a, a different way of looking at your work that is going to inspire people or bring a larger audience in because it's different, because it's something they've not seen before. Yeah, exactly. It's like, was your work before you started the neon work? Was it good enough? Yes, it was good enough. But there were lots of people that were at that level and that were good enough as well. So by doing something a little bit different and, and looking at your work and if it is good enough and it's not getting the right reactions, why is that? It goes back nicely to when we were talking about the posting your pottery because that's like I could say, well, there are people who do want to employ photorealistic artists and I'm, I'm cutting those people off. I am literally saying you can only have neon art from me, which means I lose this whole chunk of potential income but actually by not diluting myself by not diluting the feed and posting all of these random styles mm. it's I, I have a niche and so people will come to me if they think neon then they're gonna they're gonna think of me yeah which leads us quite nicely on to the next um, point that this listener raises, which I think is really relevant to a lot of people, um, but quite specific to this listener. Um, how to build a network and online presence, building an audience when you're almost reliant on the internet alone. Yeah, which is which is interesting because um, this, this email was actually sent to us um, before COVID hit. 
And so now we are in the situation where it's actually beautiful that that this has happened because I think my answer would have been the same before the pandemic. And it would have been, yes, absolutely. The internet is the most powerful tool ever created. And even though you are at a slight disadvantage that, that you're not able to leave the house and go to meetings and meet people in real life to, to network, had you not had the internet, you wouldn't have a career. But now you 100% absolutely can have a career because you do have an internet connection. I think building a network is one of the, it's one of the toughest things to do. And it's one of the things that we're asked about most frequently. I think the the way to hack it is that at any point in time, there will be a social media network that offers an easier way to get discovered than any of the other ones. And I think it is important to have a presence in more than one place because we had 10,000 Facebook fans uh, back in 2012 or something. And now Facebook is dead and we, we don't use that platform at all. I mean, well, that's not true. Facebook is certainly not dead and there are people absolutely killing it. But but for us, our clients are not reachable on on Facebook. So we don't we don't use it. Um, we use LinkedIn for, for our clients. But there's always one um, network that offers easy discoverability because they're trying to get people to use their platform. Currently, as recording this in, in June 2020, it's TikTok and it's LinkedIn. And so personally, I'm building a following on TikTok. I've got 27,000 followers on there. And in the same time that I've grown those 27,000 followers on TikTok, I've only grown 2,000 on Instagram. And a lot of those 2000 on Instagram have come from TikTok so I'm sending people from TikTok because in my bio it has my Instagram so I'm I'm pushing them over but that just goes to show how low the discoverability is on Instagram which we all know it's a very hard platform to grow on nowadays so I mean I would say use other platforms be it your podcast be it your LinkedIn um whatever social media you find works for you the best and whatever is the easiest in terms of being discovered and use that to bolster the other platforms that you have. I'd also say that um, obviously this is, is, you know, at the time of writing, this was quite a personal um, thing for this listener um, who is more or less housebound and it's not so relevant only to this listener at the moment because we're all kind of pretty much housebound. But I wouldn't see that as a disadvantage. I'd also almost see that as your superpower. Um, and I'd see it maybe as um, as an opportunity to bring your potential followers and potential fans um, and ambassadors um, on a journey with you. It's something that we say all the time. I probably say it once an episode is people buy from people. People buy people, not things. Um, and people will find your work interesting like we said earlier lots of people what lots of people's work is good what sets your work apart and what sets your work apart is you um and if you're willing to let people in a little bit into the journey that you're taking and share that process with them and the process of battling your illness as well to a certain extent if you're comfortable with that then people will start to get to know you and get to know your work your work through getting to know you um people really like to be let in on 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 other people's lives and journeys um and it can help them really relate to other people's work 
Um, so if you're if you're willing to let people on that journey with you, it could really help um, create not just fans but a community around your work and that's something that's really important I think is is you don't just have customers or fans you have a community and a network of people who who believe in you as well as what you're doing yeah definitely we always say that you're you're like your story is unique and I know when you're in the middle of living that story it feels really boring because it's for you but for other people it's not boring because it's not their story and it's interesting to them and and if you are confident enough to to share that, I mean, we we always sort of you see examples of when people are actually willing to put themselves in that vulnerable place. That's overwhelmingly the content that performs the best on the Internet, which is is strange. But if you and I think that's because it helps people because it humanizes you. And if someone else is is struggling, it's like on this podcast, like we're, we're going to be as honest as possible with you of like all of the struggles and all of the hard work you're going to have to put in and, and everything because because that will relate to you and, and we want to deliver as much value as we can to the to the end listener because at the end of the day like this podcast is about inspiring you to go and do your thing and so if we if we weren't completely honest and if we held back and if we didn't share I mean um, me and Yona were talking about we're going to do an episode um, coming up about one of our businesses that we decided to close and that that could be seen as a failure or, or we didn't make it work or whatever and it's like i think it will be an important lesson and if we if we didn't share that then we'd be holding something back from you guys and in in sharing everything we have this link with you we have this loyalty from you and we have we're building something together and that's that's a beautiful thing so i've gone a bit like passionate and, and no I think it's really true I think that you know sh- sharing sharing a part of, of of who you are is a big part of of um of being honest with the people that you expect to be your community and on that note um David can actually really 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 relate to this this listener on a really personal level because David himself was was pretty much bed bound for five years due to a chronic illness yeah so um, yeah I had chronic fatigue syndrome of which they say once you're um once you're healed you're like 70 percent of what you were when you were 100 so um so i still get really tired and there's days where i can't go into work and um and it's something that i yeah that i do struggle with that i don't think i've spoken about on the podcast before but but if in sharing it it helps someone then of course i'm going to talk about it like um i yeah it was it was probably yeah the hardest five years of my life but i i use it as like rather than being really kind of down and depressed that it happened i'm I'm actually grateful that it happened because it made me realize what was important in my life and what I wanted to focus on. And and I think that's happened to this listener is that he, I mean, um, right at the beginning of the email, he says that, that art is, is what he gets out of bed for. And it's it was the same for me. It was like, that was the only thing that kept me going. So we we have to, um, we have to like meet these battles. And, and I think an amazing th- way to do that is with creativity. And you at the time when you were um, bed bound for five years social media wasn't really a thing like it is now no god no this, so there was this myspace was, but there wasn't and it really would have been early facebook i think maybe but yeah. yeah if there had have been social media at the time do you think you would have shared your journey more um and used that as a, as a, um, a community building thing especially with with your artwork that you were starting to create at the time uh, it's so difficult to know without without being in that in that situation. I think that 
at that time when that happened, I would have been in my uh, very early 20s. So so I was 17 when I got glandular fever and that then um, they say that chronic fatigue syndrome often follows a viral infection and that was... So I was 17 years old. So, I mean, I really... I didn't know who I was or, or what I was doing. If if I was struck with something now, then I think I would, yeah, I'd, I think I'd be making daily video diaries or, or something in in the hopes that I think I'm one of those those people that sort of tries to prove everybody wrong and that in that in that fight I would try and share that in the hope that that would inspire some people. So the next point that we've picked out of this email is um, do you need a mentor or business coach? Because this listener has, has said that they're actively seeking a mentor or business coach. Um, as my knowledge on the industry and confidence after being ill for so long are areas I struggle with. Do you need a business coach, David? Yes. What do you think? No. <laughs> okay, so um, I mean, so you are right. You don't. You don't need a business coach. It just can be really helpful, and it can be a it can be a leg up. I think our business wouldn't have been successful had Adam and I not met you. For us, you were our business coach just because you knew so much more than we did. We could we could limit the amount of mistakes we made. But I mean, it was two thousand and ten, and it was a completely different time exactly what I was going to say and the reason that I, I would say that you don't necessarily need a business coach or mentor is because I think sometimes people look for a business coach or mentor because they expect that person to solve all the problems um, and really all the information that you can get from a business coach or mentor is already out there for free you could have 10 mentors tomorrow if you read the right business books um, you know I, I I feel like I have a different mentor every day because I'm, I'm always reading and I'm always learning and I'm always I'm always growing and sometimes it is easier to just ask someone else or expect to have one person who's going to tell you all the tricks and I know I'm guilty of that I, I was saying earlier that um uh, when we were working in the studio if I had a technical problem I'd just ask Adam I just I wouldn't bother looking into it myself or if I had a website problem or anything that I didn't really know about that I knew that Adam would know I just ask Adam because it saves time since lockdown I've just been learning everything myself because all the information you need is out there um often it's out there for free you can get a month's free on on Skillshare at the moment and there's there's a a wealth of 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 tutorials and workshops on there where you can learn everything from you know branding to how to set up a company to how to do your tax not just creative things you know all of the really boring nitty-gritty that you need to know it's all on the internet and yes it's easier to have one person that's been through exactly the same journey as you and has, has been successful to tell you how to do everything every step of the way but you don't need that and often I think that people use it as an excuse for not doing things because they are just waiting for that one person to show them how to do it all you can just do it yourself and there are mentors a million out there um just on on the end of an audiobook um or youtube or a podcast that can tell you everything you need to know and the good thing about that is that it's varied because if you have one like not everyone knows the right answer to every question yeah. like they your mentor could get it wrong and and i think the reason that people want a mentor is because they they don't want to make any mistakes and so they want someone to go, don't do that, that's a mistake. And then you don't have to make the mistake. But if you do make the mistake, like you, you have a choice in front of you at path A or path B. You have to make that decision and your mentor might say, go down path A. But if you don't have that mentor and you just decide to go down path B, there are lessons in there. Maybe the lesson is you should have gone down path A. <laughs> Maybe it takes you to a completely different space that had you not 
taken that gamble and gone for it because you'd listened to someone who was older and wiser and and said no no go down path a and and just flow with whatever happens flow with what like because once you've made a decision you can't go back to a parallel universe and see what would have happened if i'd gone down path a you don't know so you've just got to roll with path b um yeah there are a lot of really good business coaches out there um, and it can be really really beneficial to some people um and a couple of years ago, I was I was determined that I wanted a business coach. I needed a business coach. But really what I needed was a kick up the arse. Um, I was using that as an excuse or something that would kind of be an easy fix to the kind of uh, stagnation I was I was feeling at the time um, and the kind of being overwhelmed by by too much work and, and no time for creativity and that kind of thing. Really, I just needed to give my, myself a kick up the bum. And I've kind of done that recently but with the help of like you said different mentors in different areas mentors for business mentors for creativity mentors for for motivation and that kind of thing but all all free on the internet all audiobooks all podcasts all all Gary V content or you know all of this stuff Chase that Jarvis, is Chase Jarvis my mentor yeah my creative mentor <laughs> um might actually try and make him my mentor for real now that we have interviewed him but yeah. no <laughs> no but I've, I've got everything that I needed from him as a mentor by reading his book which brings us on to the final thing that we have um picked out from this um and it was the final point that that this listener felt like they needed a mentor or a coach because of how they were struggling with confidence um, for, after being ill for so long. Um, which, you know, it, it, you know, my heart goes out to you, honestly, it really does. Um, and confidence is something that a lot of us deal with um, all the time. Um, whether you've been housebound for five years or working in the industry for 10, 15, 20 years, um, confidence can always, um, always creep up on you as, as a problem and a struggle. So it's difficult for us to, because to, we can't just flick a switch and say you are now confident. It's going to involve a lot of work on your part. So if you are someone that, that struggles from a lack of confidence, then I think you need to take more stock in your achievements. Um, and if you don't feel like you're achieving anything, then then engineer that for yourself. So set yourself goals and and start to conquer those goals i mean one thing that every single person can do but won't do is have a cold shower every day but if you can motivate yourself enough to get up at at whatever time you set yourself have a cold shower and then carry on with your day you're going to feel three minutes of unpleasantness and then you're going to feel the rest of the day of a sense of achievement that the first thing that you wanted to do is ticked off of your list and you've achieved something. Every single person can do that. Like you can. There's not like none of you listening to this can't do that. But most people won't. And I think it's it's being able to put yourself in that mindset of I, I've I've already achieved this. What are other easy wins that you can achieve? And then gradually build up those easy wins into things that are more and more challenging. Because you you can't just jump in at the deep end and if you're a really underconfident person go next week I'm going to speak in front of 150 people you, like that that just won't happen but what you can do is you can have your first conversation at the post office with a stranger you can and, and then you build from there and that's that's a process that takes time to build within yourself over over years yeah it's like our dear friend Alex Manzi's theory of one percent one percent better every day don't expect to be a different person tomorrow than you were today but if you can just improve your confidence by one percent every day 
then you know then you're making progress and unlike David and Chase Jarvis I don't take a cold shower every day um but that notion of putting yourself in in a situation of discomfort is something that I really can relate to because confidence is something that I struggle with quite a lot and so and that has really harmed my creative practice over the years is is you know not being confident in my own work um, and sharing my own work so for me the cold shower is sharing my work um, is putting myself out there showing people my work I don't take criticism very well do I David no. um, because it's a lack of confidence um, and so the, but the more I create and the more I practice in my work and the more I share and the more resilient I get to criticism and feedback um, and the more I improve based on that feedback the more confident I get so so for me that's my cold shower that's my dipping my toe into an area of discomfort and I think that that is something that you like David said, you can't flick a switch, you can't wave a magic wand and and and, and do that, but you, you can make these little incremental 1% changes every day, share a little bit more of your work, ask questions, um, take feedback, put yourself out there on social media, and this is kind of going back through all the questions we've discussed through this, but you know, you are building your network by doing that, you know, you are... Um, you know you're getting the business coaching that you need by asking questions by by um talking to your audience and, and taking their feedback um and you know it, it it will help you improve your confidence incrementally bit by bit every day yeah so hopefully that um was helpful to a lot of people um we i really enjoyed that yeah, and I'd really like to say thank you to this listener for sending this email in and taking the time. It was a lovely email and you said some lovely things um, about the podcast in there. So thank you for that. But thank you for sharing your experience because um, that enabled us to kind of open up those questions and throw them out there to, to, to everyone. And hopefully, you know, a lot of people will have got things out of this because you're not alone in these things that you're, you're feeling, even though your your situation is is really unique um, and we really do feel for you but you know it sounds like you're an incredibly determined person and hopefully there's been some things here that have helped um, and if you have any more questions then we'd love to hear from you and that goes for everyone um, if you have a question that you would like us to uh, ponder then send it over you can get us on instagram at rebels create or you can email us connect at creativerebels.co until next time See ya. <laughs>